Mike, I don't know if you are aware of this, but apparently Jorah hurls a javelin so, so hard and so fast that not only did it go through that son of the harpy, but it made its way all the way to the crossroads of the United States and impaled Zach's tire on his way <laughs> to Chicago. Uh, he is in the midst of making his journey uh, to our finale extravaganza that we are going to yes. be hosting on Sunday evening at Geek Bar in Chicago. That is why, unfortunately, he is not able to join us here this evening as we go through our follow-up episode with all of your owns from uh, Dance of Dragons. Yeah, I mean, I cannot imagine the journey that, that Zach is, is, is on, tra- like, driving cross-country, and it's it's amazing. Uh, no one was hurt. Everything was good. He was in good spirits. We spoke with him earlier today, and he sends nothing but... His love, I mean, that is seriously some dedication. He will not be set back. He is still on his way to, to join us for this finale party. As you mentioned, Mike, it's coming up on Sunday, June 14th. I feel like, whereas we mentioned it earlier in the week, and we mentioned it earlier on the show, there were a few uh, items that I, just regarding our finale party that I, I want to kind of reveal here, um, just in case you're in Chicago, but for some reason didn't think you'd try and get in. It is a limited uh, number of uh, you know seating available, though, I will say. So get there early. The event does start at 5 p.m. and is taking place at Geek Bar Beta, which is 1941 West North Street, Chicago, Illinois. I actually think it's North Avenue, but the website says North Street. But anyway. <clears throat> nice. Yeah, and uh, I know that there are a lot of listeners who are excited who live in the area who will be coming on down, and we look forward to uh, seeing them and meeting them and just all the Thrones fans in general that are going to be at this bar. We know that they've done events in the past related to Game of Thrones, and I think just the experience of the finale and all the anticipation, the build-up. We've had photos released this week. We've had the trailer that we've had, you know, over the course of the last several days, which aired at the the end of Dance of Dragons. And as is normally the case with the finale, they don't give too too much away because, let's face it, you don't want to know what's going to happen. You want to be surprised. Right. right. No, I'm staying away even from those trailers. And Game of Thrones is a show that always surprises. There's there's no doubt about that, and I think even for some of us who are in that sullied category, that uh, we will uh, feel the emotions and, and whatever they may be, along with all of you out there who are unsullied. But I think we're slowly closing that divide mm-hmm. that exists. The the sullied unsullied divide is growing thinner and thinner uh, by the day, by the episode, and. There are some major moments to come in this finale that I think a lot of the sullied are are anticipating. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once the uh, screen goes dark, mm-hmm. I think a lot of us are going to be in in the same place. And now now you'll know some of our pain, maybe uh, yeah. instead of it instead of it being vice versa. Well, I, yeah, maybe. Um, I just know that Chicago has a great Game of Thrones culture because I've been to some beer events in the city when they do. Like releases, release parties for the beer, Lakeshore Beverage, Brewery Oma Gang, who is also sponsoring this event. So it, it, it'll be a blast. As Eric said, we will be there probably before 5 o'clock uh, on our end, but uh, we really uh, can think of no better way than to spend the finale together in the same place. And uh, we're going to look forward to 
all of your reactions and what you think of how season five comes to a close. But before we do that, there's plenty of other stuff to talk about that happened on last week's episode. Let's start in Bravos because we continue to visit Arya. Mm. I think this is the second consecutive episode we we've spent with her, but yeah. Prior to that, it had been a little while. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's developing. She's growing into this role as a faceless assassin. And now something that we've talked about over the course of a couple of our shows has come to fruition. And that is that Mace Terrell mm-hmm. and Marin Trant have arrived in Bravos, And who should come across them as she's peddling her oysters, clams, and cockles. Oysters, clams, and cockles. That's actually pretty good. Not Uh, as good as uh, Zach put it at the end of our episode on Monday, mm -hmm. but uh, it was. I think it was perfect. It it, Lana, right, of the canals. Lana of the canals. That was my Lana impression of the of the canals. (laughs) (laughs) So she she has seen a person from her past, despite her desire to move forward right to create this new future for herself Mm. she still has these names that are in the back of her mind and we haven't really seen her recite them very much recently Mm. the last time i think was outside the steps of the house of black and white when she was initially trying to get in right before we are anything about it Mm. in episode nine and and one of those individuals just happens uh to come to bravos and is you know there with mace to talk to the Iron Bank, and he goes into a brothel a little bit later on, and we learn about some of his perversions, mm-hmm. and Arya, again, happens to be there. And there's these moments, I wanted to ask you about this, there's these moments between Marin and Arya yeah. uh, where there seems to be a bit of recognition, but then uh. Marin just kind of turns the other way and pretends like maybe he wasn't really looking in that direction. What did you think of that? It is it is questionable. I, I also... Uh, to receive the impression that he recognized um, Arya. Maybe it was a, a sort of faint recognition, but even if he doesn't necessarily paint uh, or put a name to the face that he's recognizing, Arya, bless her, is is not as good at stealth as we would hope that she would be um, at this point because he does keep seeing her around. And even if he didn't recognize this little girl, which, as I said, I think he did we all think that it's possible that he did the fact that she is always selling oysters right behind him just a little off to the left maybe in one case up some stairs um and shows up in the brothel and shows up uh and is actually caught peeking into the window of the room in the brothel where he's at i would be alarmed he's alarmed i would be alarmed it it's just it's too much of a coincidence she is very clearly following him no matter who she is he doesn't need to know who she is to know that she's following him because she she makes a blunder of it and i think it's a big enough blunder that she's gonna need an entirely new face if she wants to keep trying absolutely and i think that that's what we're looking ahead towards yeah potentially in the season finale and i would just say you know aria as she is now to me would be much more recognizable than the aria that she had been when she came to Bravos, you know, when she was traveling with the Hound, when she was with the Brotherhood, when she was with Yorin, because she was this scraggly, dirty little runt that very few people would probably recognize. She blended in better. It's almost right. as if telling her to be no one has brought out who she is, like has brought out her well, I'm talking side. about more so from a physical appearance, because mm. the way that she would appear in King's Landing, mm. clean, cut, fresh, 
right, is kind of how she's looking now. She doesn't look very disheveled. And that's true. That's why I would almost think that he, she would be more recognizable to somebody like Marin. But we have to remember that years have passed, and there really shouldn't be all that much recognition on the part of, of a guard. And, and look, presumably he's seen his fair share of little girls since then, <laughs> since for, yeah, which over is, the past, that was over very the past disturbing. years. Um, and, and it is, uh, speaking to that briefly, I found it to be sort of a, a convenient vice, uh, to, to, to introduce in, in, in this episode because it gives us, um, an opportunity, it gives Ari an opportunity for actually getting into the room with him in a, in a stealthy way. Now that she, well, we presume that she has the ability to, to, to or she will have the ability to become someone else who is probably her age or younger in either the finale or in the future. And so having, having this vice gives her that in, but I was at first on first watch of the episode, taken a little bit of back by it because I was thinking, well, I guess everybody's got, you know, a secret or a perversion, but it, it felt a little, it, she's, she's following him around. And, and it, when he went into the brothel, I was just thinking, oh yeah, everybody goes into brothel. Like Kingsguards, you know, they have a lot of money. They, like to waste it in brothels, but his particular perversion uh, certainly seemed, I, I just can't get it out of my head how well it serves the plot. And what's even interesting about this is that when he goes in, he says that he doesn't share. And I think those two companions of him are probably very happy that he doesn't because the way they reacted when they were sitting there eating their, their oysters, clams and cockles, they, they were uh, a little bit appalled by what uh, Marin was uh in the mood for, shall we say. So we learn uh, a little bit more about his character. And, and I think, you know, it, it also speaks to the types of individuals that Cersei has put and, and Joffrey before that into the Kingsguard and into positions of power. And these are not honorable individuals. These are well, that's quite true. scum of the earth. Yeah, she, she kind of, I guess Cersei... Perhaps because, not to launch into a character discussion of Cersei, because I'm sure there's plenty of time for that, but uh, be, perhaps because she's so flawed honorably or whatnot, what have you, she takes great comfort in recruiting people who are equally uh, unpleasant, or just that unpleasant men will do unpleasant things when you need them to. Definitely, and and I think that these two now are on a collision course with each other. Mm. We're going to have to wait to see if Arya does in fact follow through on her mission that she was initially given by Jacken and whether or not she decides to really depart from what the task is that she's been given and go after somebody else which is more of a personal interest than serving the same individual or the same god shall we say mm-hmm. uh, that Jacken is is serving in this case. Well, and I, I definitely want to talk about the fact that she very quickly just disregards her mission, uh, you know, because she's got the guy, the thin man, I guess he's called, uh, begging for her to, like, practically begging, asking her, you know, to turn around and, and give him some oysters. And she's got the poison. She takes it out before walking up to him. And he really wants some fish or seafood. Um, but she won't have it because she managed to spot this boat docking and sees who's on it and immediately is, is distracted. So it, it, it really, for me, when they showed her leaving, 
uh, the brothel to go back to the House of Black and White, you know, I, I, I actually expected Jacken to have had her followed or there to be some sort of reproach because of her failure, the fact that she failed to kill him today. And, and honestly, who knows? He is a bad man. Who knows, you know, what family he bankrupted today uh, that he was around to do because she did not kill him. And this is this is kind of, I don't want to say amateur hour, that's the wrong term for it. But as far as Arya's, like, mission, I still think that perhaps Jacken would be amenable to the idea of her killing somebody that she personally hates uh, as long as she does what she's supposed to and actually kills the thin man, like... I don't know, that poison is the thin man's poison. It's one thing to sneak up behind Marin Trant and slit his throat, you know, just go get needle out of that rock. But it's an entirely different thing to poison him. I mean, like, the circumstances are way set up with the thin man because he expects you to be selling oysters. What are the odds that Marin Trant, who just sailed for a fucking, who knows, month uh, across the sea to get to Bravos, is going to want cockles and clams and oysters he's probably sick of seafood he probably wants a damn steak he's gonna want a little girl and that's exactly what Arya is well okay but i'm just saying there's there's very little opportunity to poison somebody even if you're sleeping with them as far as i'm aware we'll have to wait and see but i i tend to think that jackin would be disapproving of this type of behavior on her part because she's been set with a clear mission and i think part of her training is discipline, and this is her going outside of, of the task that she's been given, and is this an opportunity for her to off one of the people from her list? Perhaps. Yes. But is that who she is now? Is did uh, Supposedly she has left, I know we keep calling her Arya, but she's mm-hmm. left Arya behind, and she's taking on all these different personas. She, yeah, she's, me- she's meant to have left Arya behind, and, and that's the real question, like, uh, are, uh, Jacken appeared ignorant when she said that the Thin Man wasn't hungry, um, you know, today, that he just, he just wasn't hungry, um, and he says, there's always tomorrow, perhaps tomorrow, and, you know, he, he seemed to not know what was happening, to, to not know that she actually just blew off her mission and, and, and is coming home five hours later than she normally would have because she followed the man who she, Arya, as Arya, wants to kill. And if she does kill him, does she owe, then, the many-faced god, going back to what Jacken was first telling her back in Hall about how death works, about how uh, saving his life or stealing deaths from the you know the god of death, you owe one, if it's the... Does it work the opposite way, where if she kills the wrong man or she takes a man whose time it was not yet for her own personal gain that she's got to do some sort of penance will she be punished for breaking this mission or is it you know some sort of other learning lesson these are all great questions and i think that only time will tell and hopefully we get answers to some of these questions as uh, we head into the finale but uh, i think in addition to talking about arya and marin there was also Mace, and I want to Wasn't make sure there, was there not Mace? we talk about his dulcet tones and his ability uh, to uh, sing a tune for all of us and how uh, he could maybe give Bronn a bit of run for his money. Absolutely. Interesting to see the relationship that clearly he has with the Iron Bank, and he tries to sweet-talk them at, at times, and I'm not really sure what to make of Mace. I think that... He has good intentions, but he's also a bit of a, a dimwit. I'm not sure about dimwitted. I, I think he has been called a fool um, by Lady Olena, of course. And there there are definitely moments where he is very clearly 
uh, ignorant or out of his depth to the sort of plotting that is all around him, like even for his own demise. Being being told that you're shipping out with Marin Trant uh, to go to Bravos to us as soon as we heard it was like, oh shit, he's going to be thrown over the side of the boat. Knowing that he makes it is a shock, I think, well, to me at least, I can't speak for everybody, uh, knowing that he actually is there and is serving that purpose. But he jumps into it and at the same time, I believe is 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 successful. Are are we not to believe that by coming out of the bank later in the day and breaking into song that the Iron Bank and uh Mace you know reached a favorable agreement for on, you know on behalf of the crown. I don't think we have any reason to think otherwise mm. at this point. We could probably say maybe it's still being decided maybe he has gotten a favorable response it certainly didn't seem like he got any sort of negative response uh, no i mean he he did it was it was great to see mark gaddis again as one of the heads of the of the iron bank and it was great to see him sort of shy away from mace's uh handshake the reason i take him brush to the dim-witted comment is only because there's that line uh when mark gaddis is playing it real cool and talking about how the bank doesn't gamble and he says to him, you're the best gamblers in the world, and the bets you've won built this! And he points, and his arm flies out, and he's t- he actually they get a long shot of the of the bank, what I assume to be the bank. And uh, it's it's funny because he's so theatrical, and it's not just in song, but in, in his mannerisms, and he's, he's in a good mood. It's a good mace day. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I, I, you can't help but love this guy, uh, I think, Seeing somebody so energized in the face of such, as Zach mentioned on 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 Monday's episode, and we've said it before, like there there is a lot of uh, serious stuff happening uh, here, and and as as this is all going on, right behind Mace is Marin, who Arya is plotting to kill as we as as they speak, as he sings, and so it, it's it's to the ability to inject a little bit of uh, humor or have a character who is you know, has sort of a good, a sunny, a cheery disposition who is good-natured um, and is actually succeeding on behalf of the crown is kind of refreshing. It was certainly a lighthearted moment out of everything else that took place in this episode in particular. And uh, we'll see now. It's clear that Marin is spending some time in Bravos mm. at least one night, and yeah, he expects to be back tomorrow. Yeah, if Mace gets up to uh, anything else while he's out there, but I will say I will give an honorary own, knowing that this is the episode where we go through all of the owns uh, to the Titan of Bravos, who seemed to make it into every background shot uh, in one way or another uh, in <laughs> in this particular episode. It was just there all the time. Like any time that you uh, took a look into the. Uh, the background there, the the Titan was uh, standing strong. So I thought that was really well done um, on the part of the uh, producers. And uh, the the Tyrells um, apparently ha- are having or in the middle of a, a bountiful harvest. That was a little tidbit that couldn't help but notice, as well as your uh, Titan of Bravos mentioned that. I think it. Uh, I think it's Mace who says that it's been the best year for red grapes. Yeah, I was going to say it seems like the uh, the wine is. Uh, going to be plentiful over the course of the next uh, few months, at least according to Mace. So Bravos continues to be this city of mystique. And the more we get to experience in the house of black and white, 
the more I'm intrigued because there seems to be yet another element of mysticism and magic that exists in this world, whether we are with dragons, whether we are with white walkers, with children of the forest, there's something about the East Mm. for as much as there is in the West, you know, it's, it's all North of the wall, but in the East, it seems no matter what city you go to, there's, there's something there, right? Mm. It's, and, and it's hard to put a finger on like what controls all of this and how will this all factor into the rest of the story? I think obviously time will tell, but as long as we're on the topic of magic and I mentioned dragons, mm. quite possibly one of the best scenes this season and of any season took place uh, similar to last week, right at the end of the episode. There's about 15 minutes of 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 this the stadium scene, and going into it, the the scene that you're getting uh, prior is the burning death of Shireen Baratheon, and to go from that into the uh, great applause of a stadium uh, as as you're sort of swooping in to see. It for the first time, now that the fighting pits have been opened, this is our first time in the stadium, and I, I felt it was a little harsh or a little ill-advised to, to do that, because I was still feeling a lot of pain from Shireen's death, and all of a sudden, there's Clapter! Cla- or Clapter. Yeah, ah! there you go, you made up your own word, Clapter. Clapter. Yeah, um, you know, and I, I was just like, oh, okay, but I, I got over it um, in about 10 seconds, because the visuals, just inside, even without the dragon, the visuals in that stadium were impressive. They were amazing, and I thought the, the clap in unison uh, was so powerful, to show that this is what these people have been waiting for for so long. And you know, when his dar leans over and tells her what to do and she They're does it. For you. Yeah. Clap your hands. It just you could feel the power that Daenerys holds and great fighting scenes better than Dorne. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember I made some comments about Dorne on our last episode and uh, somebody in the comments on Watchers said Micah, tell us how you really feel. Let's just start here because I I want to know what your reaction was when you saw that all of our or some of our favorite characters, right? Danny, Tyrion, Jorah, and then Masande, who's kind of one of the only other innocents that's still left in all of this. That's true. Uh, as well as Dario, are completely surrounded by Sons of the Harpy, who must do an amazing job camouflaging themselves into the crowd. <laughs> Uh, and and the the gates are sealed. There's nowhere for them to go. And there's that really, really defining moment where Daenerys closes her eyes. Right. And that's her moment, really, in my mind, of accepting defeat. Except she's oh. she's ready. She is ready to give in, and she's not going to give in by trying to fight. She's going to give in by just closing her her eyes and finding that one potential moment of peace and and awaiting what's about to happen to her i i read something completely different into that look that that look could not be i mean that analysis is not by any means definitively wrong but when i look at her closing her eyes i i certainly think she's got too much fire in her and i'm not talking about the blood of the dragon to give up so easily she's still pretty well protected at that point because the uh, guards who are still alive 
uh, are surrounding her in a pretty badass, I wouldn't even call it a semicircle, it's a full circle. They're, they're, they're surrounding her, but it, in that moment when she closes her eyes, and eventually, I mean, within seconds, you hear Drogon coming to the rescue, I felt as though it was a sort of telepathic bond between her and her dragon, that she could have maybe been thinking of the, with the word, you know, Drogon, to me kind of kind of thing <laughs> going to it you know and 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 maybe not something so intentional as that maybe not something so cheesy as the way i just described it cuz i realized that sounds kind of bad but she she pulled her pokeball out from beneath her white dress and yeah, threw pokeball, it nobody noticed go! drogon i choose you but just the fact that she closed her eyes and I, I, I felt it was a real, I, I felt that there was some sort of mental, there, we know that there's a mental bond between her and a dragon. Drogon showed up, was it at the end of- This is an Aragon, I mean. Yeah, on. no, but there there was, uh, Drogon showed up at the end of one of the episodes when he flew off. Yeah, no, he was on top of the- Over uh, the city, it's like, what the pyramid. fuck is he doing up there? But he's just there because like she's thinking about him and he shows up. And she tries to, there's a similar moment in this episode where she reaches out uh, to him and we're not sure if he's going to bite her head off or let her actually pet him. But both times, um, well, well I guarantee first, you he needed a breath mint. Oh, uh, that can't have been. Roars pleasant, into her face. Maybe she can't smell it. Maybe it's another side effect of being Could blood be. of the dragon. Yeah. Essence of Drogon. Because she totally, yeah, <laughs> she, she, he does that. He opens his mouth and then she wants to get closer to him. So I, I think I'm going with sensory blindness mm-hmm. there. I, I do like your interpretation of it, though, and and I think it's probably what a lot of people felt was that, and and I would say it's almost unintentional. I don't know that she intentionally called him to her. I think no. maybe it's something that eventually she'll learn that she has this connection, you know, right. similar to it's... how Bran is able to connect with Summer, John to Ghost, and and we've seen, you know, Arya in her dreams, you know, connect to Nymeria. So, mm-hmm. almost wonder if Danny has that connection to Drogon and and maybe not to the other two at least mm-hmm. not on the same level but maybe she's going to learn that she has this connection and and you know as soon as she felt that that fear that sense of dread that her life was in real peril that that automatically sent some kind of signal out to Drogon and that called him to her mm-hmm. uh, but i i just thought when she you know takes Masande's hand into hers right they both kind of almost go into that moment of 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 peace that that trance that they were willing to accept what was about to happen that they were basically facing imminent death because they were severely outnumbered you know sure jorah and and dario could kill a few more mm-hmm. but at the end of the day they they were seriously outnumbered and I don't know. I'm going to just say this. I don't know who was responsible for Daenerys's detail on the on the uh, Unsullied side, but they seemed vastly outnumbered. Mm, yeah. Well, I, I I think we began last week's episode or Monday's Sunday's episode by asking you if you were responsible for for calling the reinforcements because you failed miserably. Well, not even reinforcements, but <laughs> well, uh, yes. How about it, just the enforcements? In- <laughs> Let's not criticize the fact that reinforcements didn't come. Let's criticize the fact that there weren't enough enforcements there to begin with. Yes, that's 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 fairly true, considering how 
how full that stadium was. Um, the unsullied, there are what 10,000 minus a couple, um, couple dozen now that there've been these, you know, sons of the harpy encounters, but, uh, there are vastly more by a factor of like, you know, by a factor of 80 or hundred, there was, there's vastly more that were probably just outside those walls. But when the sons of the harpy or, you know, whoever's responsible closed the, the thorough, the entrances, um, even the unsullied somehow were not immediately alerted and uh, trying to get in. I did expect, even after that ring of Sons of the Harpy shows up, I still expected an even greater ring of Unsullied to be even behind them, but, but that did not that did not happen. The episode was going somewhere else, but when Jorah had completed his kill and had that victory and then all of a sudden is hurling the javelin, you, you, you kind of think what the hell did he did he just try and do and rewatching this episode was wonderful because I was looking specifically at the crowd to see if I could see people like putting on their masks and actually I couldn't uh it, it just so happens that when he hurls the javelin is the first time you see anyone wearing the mask and then half the people in the stadium or you know a great portion of people in the stands do have the masks on already, but it's it's not, you can't see it before then. So it's still, like, the surprise is when Jorah hurls the javelin and you're wondering, is he killing his Dar or not? You know, what what's what's the purpose here? So it was, it was really just a great reveal, very well paced, and that music, again, that that darn music, it's like mm-hmm. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, Monoram, Sigalam, Monoram, Sigalam. You know, kind of really cool ass um, stuff for for the Sons of the Harpy. Um, their reemergence here, we thought she was giving them what they wanted um, in reopening the pits, and and they took it as an opportunity to put it into her life. And yeah. uh, you wonder, was there any involvement on the part of his Dars or Lorak? I think they left that a little bit um, vague because he does end up getting killed by the sons of the harpy, Hmm. but he's about to do something just before that. And we're not quite clear what it is, or at least I can't recall off the top of my head, but Dario tries to go and and, and intervene. He said, he says to her, come, come with me. He he says, I know, I know a way out. And you know, it, it is interesting because up until that point, he doesn't appear to be in danger. He quickly, I mean, he gets out of the way of the javelin, which is great. Um, and then he doesn't, you know, we're kind of left to wonder what he's doing, where he is. And what, when he does speak to Daenerys and say, I will help you, that is when two men, not even one, just two of them, I think one of them grabs him, the other one stabs him in the heart twice. His dar is apparently out for the count. So, so my interpretation of that, because we do, we have wondered if he is in fact in on this or could have planned even this latest appearance of theirs. Um, It seems to be that they're either killing him to shut him up or that up until this moment, they would have considered letting him live, but because he physically offered to get her out of there and use his knowledge of the city and secrets and all that stuff, that it was an opportunity for her to survive, that that was directly against their wishes. And that was why they killed him. Yeah. And, and I think that, uh, He's a character that has had a lot of mystery surrounding him because anytime you enter one of these cities, there's the trustworthiness factor, right? Whether mm-hmm. you look at uh, Pyat Pri or or Zaros on Doxos, uh, Doxos as we like to call him on the show, Doxos. even going back to um, 
I'm I'm blanking on his name, but the one that uh, Drogon also uh, Krasnys, uh, yeah, Krasnys lit a flame. So you have to uh, always take these characters with a bit of a grain of salt, and I think the same could be said for somebody like Dario, even though now he's proven himself over and over again. I think he is one of the good guys, unless somewhere down the line he ends up uh, selling out for more money, hmm. uh, which is always the case with the sellsword, as we learned from Stannis and him losing several hundred men uh, outside of, of Winterfell. So hmm. uh, I think that um, yeah, there was a, a good exchange between Dario and uh, Hisdar. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was almost like they were each trying to one up each other, and Tyrion oh, was man. just sitting there, was... like bored to tears. This this really was uh, pick on his dar, like on the dais kind of day. Just on the subject of Jorah, um, we know that he has a secret that he's been keeping from everybody. This this grayscale, presumably, at least when you get to be a stone man, it's trans. This disease is transmitted by touch. And there's a moment where, up on the dais, Jorah, fully redeemed for his excellent javelin aim, that could have gone horribly wrong, even if he didn't want it to. He did it so well, he gets up, and he offers her his hand. And I sent this video to you guys in a text message, uh, if in case you were wondering why I sent that. It's just, like, five-second clip from the episode of Jorah putting his hand out. She hesitates, Danny. Uh, takes it and then spins around and he actually then begins lowering her with his other hand both hands touch her bare skin it's clear as day i'm i'm unclear and i would almost look to our listeners to provide the the answer but i think the contact has to be directly to the area that is infected with the grayscale mm. unless it is spread throughout the entire body uh, so knowing that she hasn't touched an affected area, mm. I would think that she is safe. But I something that um, also came to mind, and uh, you know, I've I've had this discussion with some people at work as well. Could it be that she wouldn't be able to contract something like grayscale? Like grayscale? Because she has the blood of the dragon. She, she And it may be sort of an, an immunity, knowing that the ruins of Valyria, of, of her people, were are now plagued by this disease that doesn't really have a mention. We didn't see it mentioned earlier, you know, when there were still Targaryens there. Knowing that it's sort of somehow tied into old Valyria, I think it makes perfect sense that she would somehow have an immunity to it. Um, gosh, all you need really is Kyber to do a blood transfusion and then Jorah will be saved uh, from the disease. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it's it's very possible. And that was the one thing where if it turns out she doesn't get it, I would just excuse it off, you know, if I were the writers or just as a viewer trying I... to make sense of everything I'm seeing, because otherwise <laughs> she should have it. Like the doll touched Shireen's <laughs> cheek. She should have it and Misande should have it because Danny and her grab hands seconds later. I mean... That the may spread be of grayscale that may be extreme. Danny's crew. But my point in even thinking all that stuff is Jorah should really have come clean about this shit. I mean, because it was such an important moment of that episode. It is, it, it's been slightly referenced in previous uh, in episodes since then. And it's a plot point that it's like, why infect him if it's not going to have a payoff? I think it's supposed to really put viewers a bit on edge and, mm. and make you think. I think that's the reason herring. why 
they included. It could be, but you know, it would also be cool if it was something that Daenerys would be unable to contract and and maybe something like the blood of a dragon could heal it. I don't know. I mean, that's pure speculation on my part, but maybe he does get it and, you know, is is able to be saved in the long run by, you know, one of Danny's dragons and and that would be to me pretty cool, but I I think that it was definitely included to create a lot of speculation and a lot of discussion about the fact that they touched each other. And what that could potentially mean for her if, in fact, he could just spread grayscale uh, by grabbing a hold of her hand. So uh, the moment that everybody is continuing to talk about, aside from what happened to poor Shireen, is Drogon and his emergence, uh, his return in full force. And now he has taken Daenerys upon his back mm. and flown to parts unknown. And congratulations, you are now <laughs> at the same point that uh, us book readers are in terms of wondering where Daenerys may be. And we have a lot of great owns here, which are very creative and describe Drogon's return in an amazing way. We're going to get to them uh, in just a few minutes. But let's talk about the fact that you know, this is something that we've been looking forward to for five seasons. This is something that we've been looking forward to since we began reading these books, and that is Daenerys getting on ba- on the back of a motherfucking dragon yeah. and riding it. Yeah, she is, you know, and I don't want to play Mr. Skeptic or, or anything in this, in this episode discussion, but it, I almost thought to my, I couldn't help but thinking to myself while watching it that it's actually more dangerous to climb up on top of the dragon. Just then, the dragon is getting impaled by spears that are being thrown from the air and landing on its top side. And she, she was able to, to ward them there. off with her mind. It wasn't the time when I would have chosen to climb up on top of the dragon because they're still raining spears. But whatever, whether it was caught, it, uh, kicked away by its wings or whatever, it was an epic end to the episode. I mean, not only when she flies away on Drogon, but the final shot of Tyrion, Missandei, Dario, and Jorah. Uh, all looking up, just at a loss of of her flying around. And in fact, the the most enjoyable part for me in the Drogon sequences were or was Tyrion's looks, the the shock that when when Dra- when Drogon first appeared, you're kind of you imagine this to be a Tyrion point of view chapter uh, almost because of the way that the camera is gauge is kind of showing his reaction each step of the way everything that happens to Danny and the and the dragon from the point of his entry you get a shocked reaction face from Peter Dinklage and it underscores the fact that nobody's ever seen this before i mean to see not in hundreds of years to see a targaryen climb onto a dragon and use it as a means of escape is is something that kids these days when you grow up you just don't expect to see anymore it's something out of a childhood dream or a story that you once read. The fact that this is actually existing and that Tyrion is witnessing it. I mean, just to get into his awe and, and his... I mean, apart from what we're feeling, just seeing how well executed the Drogon special effects were um, and, and just the fight, how well choreographed with all the fire, how difficult it must have been to achieve 
a lot of that, although we know by now that the crew is our old pros. Um, just the fact that they were able to achieve this, this dragon fight prior to the escape and then the escape being what it was, finally seeing Marine from the perspective we've always hoped to see Marine from, which was above it. Knowing that Danny's got three dragons now, you just expect to see her flying more places. Um, and this was the first time that that happened. Absolutely. And I think that when you talk about Tyrion watching this all take place before him, he knows that he's made the right decision. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And he hasn't really had much of a choice, let's be fair. I mean, no, it's very true. He killed his father, and then he was thrown <laughs> in a crate by Varys, you know, shipped across the Narrow Sea. And uh, made his way to Volantis, where he was then captured by Jorah. So not too much say in all of this, but I think that he knows that he's put himself, at least for now, at the side of somebody that he could really see taking Westeros. And the fact that she has these dragons, the fact that he has now seen pretty much face-to-face, the same dragon that he saw flying over old Valyria. Yeah, yeah. And this woman who he just one episode ago was sitting down and talking strategy with, Mm -hmm. get on and ride this dragon out of this pit. Mm -hmm. And knowing that that in and of itself is such a powerful ally to have Mm -hmm. in in battle, He, he completely destroyed... The Sons of the Harpy. Yeah, he had a couple of spears thrown at him. And I really wasn't clear about that because I don't think that spears can pierce through a dragon's skin. Are you thinking of smog now? (laughs) Well, I'm sure there are certain things that you can do. That's the Arkin spear. Wait, that might But I I think they needed to show that there was still some level of vulnerability to Drogon. Yes. That he could be hurt he could be attacked and you're right i think it was a total thing to show his vulnerability though the fact that he's not maybe fully still grown still but also that he has come to defend daenerys and he's willing to be harmed you know in order to defend his mother and and he's willing to get into the fight and take whatever they're willing to throw at him and i think that it was just uh to me a little bit hard to really grasp the, the the fact that a dragon of that size could could be hurt by a spear thrown by a yeah. human being. Yeah. But I get it. I get it. It needed to be there because it couldn't just be Drogon rolls in, burns everything and everyone to the ground and flies off happily ever after. Like, yeah. He had to have had that had vulnerability. And also it provided for a great moment between him and Daenerys when she goes and and plucks one of them out of him. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And he gets angry just because it hurts, but knows that it's her and that she loves him. (laughs) You know, talking about Tyrion though, again, being in awe and, and knowing that he he picked the right, you know, person, I think what it is too, for me in, in Tyrion's character that is visible is there are no, uh, there's, there's, I think an understanding that she still has a way to, to way to learn. Um, some and that when she gets on Drogon in this episode, it's out of or it's with some hesitation that she doesn't fully know what she's doing. She is more feeling her way at that point. I mean, she didn't really expect. I, I, I think it's right that she didn't summon him on on purpose fully. Um, you know, the fact that he showed up, she 
just seems to heed uh, a almost telepathic, not to say that word again, but like a mental, a calling that this is just what you do. You're a Targaryen. You have this dragon is here and he's now big enough and you're now uh, badass enough to actually get on and ride him. And then she does. And I think for Tyrion, it's, it's, it must be the, the appeal of her still being in a position of vulnerability where she's malleable, where, where she will actually listen to his counsel. And, that, and that's something that he kind of scoped out last episode too, that, you know, when they're having those talks and she does seem to give a damn what it is that he says or that he thinks or that she'll, she'll actually listen to him. And so it's not just that he's picked like the clear winner because she is a dragon and dragons are such a trump card in this series. Um, but it's also, I think that there's an opportunity there for, for him to, actually fulfill a sort of destiny of his own uh, in being a, a guide in kind of exercising the knowledge and the strategy that he has because of who he is. So I, I, th- I think it's also that he knows he can help her. I agree. I, I think that he sees the opportunity, but he also may have found somebody who respects his counsel and will be somebody that he can really see himself providing real advice for as it relates to Westeros. The question, though, as we move into the finale is based on that empty throne room with (laughs) the boys hanging out. That's my favorite. Just the idea that these guys, while waiting, would start a band. Where is Daenerys? Where has she flown to? We assume that she has not, you know, had a bad accident and fallen off the top of Drogon somewhere in Marine. Uh, So... Where is she and, and what's her next move? Is she prepared now to leave Marine completely and head back to Westeros? I, I really don't know. You know, there's so much that has yet to happen in this season out of, you know, versus what, what we're expecting. I want to know what Littlefinger has been up to the last four episodes. So have we now uh, officially shifted away to looking ahead to the season finale, what we want to uh, see happen? I I feel like there's characters we certainly could check in with, but who knows what kind of time they have. I mean, you know, we know it's like 60 minutes to, to really check in. And I'm wondering what characters, you know, having them featured in scenes will bring about a conclusion that it's going to feel definitive because they had, you know, at the end of next week's episode, they will have had their next set of 10 episodes to tell a compelling story and knowing what was you know brought up in maybe the first couple of 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 episodes knowing that it's sort of an arc that closes you know will there be characters we don't see next week and if so you know what does that mean for instance Dorn we talked about that on Monday's episode like not seeing Dorn next week it's a very real possibility we won't what does that mean for that storyline it means it's closed like that's all we're getting but but then the overall question. So if we don't see Daenerys next week and there's just maybe this scene is from a, a two minute scene with a couple of, you know, fun dialogue quips from, from each of the guys, you know, is that all we'll get for the season? If so, I think Danny's storyline this season was still one of the best um, because of that exit, uh, you know, but, but it, it's interesting to know. It's kind of like, because Tyrion's such a major character to the show, even if Daenerys doesn't show up, it makes sense that they would show him and they would show sort of what his thoughts are because knowing that he started the uh, series, the season in a crate um, to then finish in a throne room awaiting the return of the woman you're about to serve is is like a big promotion for him. <laughs> I have to uh, 
kind of go through the list of questions in my head about what still needs resolution for this episode, knowing that we won't get to see characters, plots that are omitted until potentially next season. Mm. Uh, and I think that, uh, you know, having an episode called Mother's Mercy uh, is something that would immediately have your mind go to the mother uh, who, and, and just mothers in general in the series, we know mm. that uh, Cersei would certainly fall into that category. And I think that uh, she has a bit of redemption coming her way, mm. at least if she wants to try and get out of the situation that she is currently in. Uh, we know Jamie and his contingent are headed back uh, to King's Landing. Will they you know, meet prior to uh, anything happening to Cersei as it relates to the High Sparrow? Uh, and, and what about Marjorie? What about uh, Loras? And, and and their situations and you know will they face the same sort of fate that Cersei um, may face we we really don't know uh, and then questions abound about Littlefinger you asked about him earlier you know, what is his ultimate plan here how does he factor in you know is he going to wait for Stannis and and the Boltons to battle it out before he tries to swoop in and and we just have so many characters that are in that general area. Uh, and then just to the north, we have John and, and Davos heading back there and Sam and Gilly and Thorn and, and Ollie, that deviant child. Yeah. The, the White Walkers, you have the wildlings, you have the White Walkers. We don't know. Where were the White Walkers? Where do they go? You know, are we going to see them again this season? Uh, and then what about Varys? We haven't seen him since Volantis. What is he up to? That's true. One thing that the showrunners, Benioff and Weiss, do a great job of each and every season is, is making sure that they tie together the loose ends, that you don't have characters omitted that mm -hmm. have played such an integral role throughout the season. So I expect to see Baelish. Uh, I, I want to know who is this boy that he intends on presenting to Elena that can help her in her quest to take down Cersei. It may be Ollie. Is it Ollie? And, and Varys. Uh, <laughs> I think that uh, I'd like to know what he's been up to since uh, Tyrion was captured in, in Volantis. And you know, what what is his plan? What is he looking to do? Just uh, seeing Illyrio, which we haven't this season, but but seeing Varys, knowing what he's up to would, would be a really cool cap to that to that story. For, for Danny now, having been told by Tyrion that Varys trusts him. But there's there's huge storylines in addition to these smaller ones that but they do tie into them. That's the thing. Like yeah. Baelish ties into King's Landing, he ties into Winterfell, Varys ties into uh, Daenerys mm -hmm. and and everything that's going on out east. Brienne and Pod uh will certainly be getting some screen time in the finale. To what end will Brienne get to avenge uh, Renly's death, even will anybody in this episode, like what, death. how will that possibly, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Davos is not going to take it well if he can get to the wall and get back in time to find out. Yeah. It's, uh, it's disconcerting. And then of course you have the Boltons and, and Theon Reek, uh, and, and Sansa, mm -hmm. and there's just so much to kind of tie a bow around and, and I'm interested to see how they do it and, and what we're left with heading into next season. We're not quite sure where Danny will be going in the season finale episode 
and she has a whole world in front of her that she could travel. And speaking of travel, speaking of world travel, in fact, I wanted to just bring up that the owns we've collected for this episode do come from all around the world, as always. But tonight in particular... It just our owns are extra international feeling. <laughs> I don't know why you said it like that. <laughs> uh, we did hear from a number of people all over the world, and uh, we do have plenty of owns that we received on both Twitter and Facebook. But our first segment usually is dedicated to those that send in emails, and we got yes. an email all the way from Nepal, uh, from Anurag, and uh, we appreciate... Uh, him sending in this own. Uh, he says that Game of Thrones is everywhere, and so is Goo. You guys are awesome, and I love your podcasts. My own goes to Alaria San for spilling Dornish wine first and later addressing Marcella as Jamie's daughter. That is Dornish wine. Fine Dornish wine that yes. she's wasting. But I like this. First-time owner all the way from Nepal. You know, I'm wondering, if you drop Dornish wine onto the Dornish soil, doesn't it just get absorbed and then put back into the wine <laughs> later on? Like, well, I don't know. I mean, grapes? was it a soiled floor? <laughs> it's amazing to hear from, you know, first-time owners and especially as from, from as exotic places, places that I would consider to be exotic, such as Nepal. But uh, definitely Ilaria, and and she is another character who, going back to our discussion, uh, you just don't know if she was being honest or not, being sort of transparent, if she really did give up her quest to cause havoc uh, across Dorne, and, or, or if she wants to spill more than Dornish wine and start spilling more blood in the finale. We just don't know, and I feel like enough of a portion of it is up in the air. We got another email here uh, from Matt Farrar, mm -hmm. who says, Guess I'm the modern-day equivalent of long-time listener, first-time caller. Woohoo! Hopefully at least a handful of these owns. Why not capitalize, right? Ah, uh, yeah, capital O owns. Yep, very good, very good. You, you could actually capitalize the whole thing if you really wanted to. But anyway, thank you for not sending us emails in all caps. In <laughs> uh, so hopefully at least a handful of these zones strike you all as a clever, as clever and insightful as your baseline has proved for the years I've been listening. Uh, probably a good sign when I can't read my own words in any voice other than Micah's. So without oh, further ado. Don't let him get a hold of your face, Micah. Otherwise, his impression of your voice will confuse some very, very happy people <laughs> thinking that they've found you and spotted you when he goes uh -huh. out in public. Uh, and Owen goes to the Unsullied for being as effective screening for weapons as those new studies find the TSA. Oh, Ooh. relevance. Yeah, tying into uh, current affairs. Yeah. Uh, big owned to the Harpies masks for magically never affecting peripheral vision. Right? Yeah, mind blown. I like this guy. Uh, owned to Alizar Thorne for respecting chain of command. Oh my gosh, it's a semi-serious one. Semi-serious one own. Arya for successfully lying to Jackin for the first time, or does the own go to Jackin for quietly seeing where this lie will take her? A man will find this out next week. Okay, this guy's my new favorite person. A man will find out next week a man will find this out next week yeah uh-huh shireen was owned by her command of the common tongue her Aww. desire to be helpful and a big fucking fire 
That's true. That's true enough. Too soon. Captain Obvious. Uh, an own to Hisadar Zolorak for teaching Danny the power of two hands clapping. <laughs> <laughs> He also threw out an alternate one for his Darzo Lorak for showing Danny the power of one clap, then shortly thereafter how to die from multiple stab wounds to the chest. That was a bit surprising, <laughs> right? Yes, it was. Uh, Jorah's facial expression in Daznex pit gets an own for melting Danny's heart faster than Drogon's halitosis. Oh, wow. Somehow I feel like all of your ideas for plot points in the second half of this episode came from this email. And <laughs> lastly... bad breath. Uh-huh. Okay. Danny for not looking back and getting lost. Oh. Hope you find yeah. one or two worth using and have a good show. Well, we used plenty of them. Yes. How do you steer a dragon or Drogon? How do you steer that thing? It's like the center spike. Oh. <laughs> I just had fun imagining it's that. It's like a gear shift. I hope our listeners at home also had fun imagining the, the gear shift, the manual uh, transmission Drogon. But thank you, Matt Farr, for writing in. First time listener. Uh, seven now seven time owner mm -hmm. uh, hope you enjoyed that uh, we certainly did actually enjoy uh, your email so thank you for sending in an email yeah thank you for sending it in but now is the time of the show that we all look forward to yes here we go Twitter Facebook have been scoured to pull in your owns from this past Sunday's episode Dance of Dragons and there were a lot of them just on Facebook alone there was uh, over a hundred and oh. uh, Twitter definitely top that mark as well so this is a a sampling of those owns and there is no better way to do this than to grab the satchel start the fire and begin the countdown in five four three two one the sleekest little mix and bravos you buying First, on Twitter comes from Sam A. Sipe, who says, My own goes to Sir Marin Trant for giving me the creeps forever. And a future <laughs> own to Arya for killing his ass. I hope so. I hope so, short. too. Second own comes from Margo, at Margo on Twitter, who says, Lord Tyrell's singing owned the Iron Bank guy and Sir Marin. That it did. That it did. Steph Nelson says, Own goes to Mace for being another guy with a set of pipes. Hashtag, are we watching Pitch Perfect? <laughs> Hashtag Bravos Bellas. Andrew Walker tweeted at us, Way to make us root for the Boltons, D&D. &D. Yeah. James Paul Johnson sits down for Game of Thrones wearing Team Dragonstone gear. 45 minutes later, throwing it all into the fire while sobbing. Brittany Holloway says, My own will go to whoever in the show kills that B-word Melisandre, her fire god, and Stannis. So that's a sort of pending own depending on who does that over on facebook jordan d mertens owned to carrie ingram as shireen she brought me to tears even on my second viewing shireen was probably the most innocent and genuinely selfless character in the series i really hope stannis gets what's coming to him hashtag so this is winter shane motes says dream scenario sansa kills Roose, theon kills ramsay brienne kills stannis davos kills melisandre a man can dream in parentheses that is an own. That is exactly Shane Motes, what I would like to happen. Micah? I'm cool with that. That, that <laughs> seems like a, uh, a great solution to our current problems. Yep. Brandon Bryce tweeted in, If you smell what Drogon is cooking. <laughs> I can't really do a good rock voice, otherwise I would... Liz Flynn says, Own to Tyrion's face at episode close, hashtag epic. Total contrast to Selyse's face at scene close, 
Hashtag still recovering. Uh, Rob Teller says, My second own goes to the black heart of pure evil for owning Stannis into doing the unspeakable. Hashtag not my king. Megan, never thought I'd say this, and it pains me, but own to Solis for finally caring, even if it was too late. Myas says, Brienne, please get your revenge, and we'll get done with it. Hashtag fuck you, Stannis. <laughs> echoes the sentiment that we are all feeling. Elizabeth Bird. I didn't think I could hate Melisandre any more than I already did. I was very wrong. Don't get me started on Stannis. Haley Williams. Episode 9 never fails to break my heart. I don't know when I'm going to be okay again. Jay Latineer on Twitter. If you ever needed a reason to create a disowns, Stannis just got top billing. Ooh. Well, we agree. He gets this category all to himself. Uh, Karen Dean tweeted it own goes to Davos for trying to save all the Baratheon kids hashtag Stannis <laughs> not the madness Ron Mosca my own goes to Gendry somewhere right now Gendry is rowing his boat thinking I got off easy <laughs> he's rowing <laughs> he's we're gonna rowing. see him episode 10 he's gonna be rowing bet he's tired of oysters clams and cockles he probably is uh, Lisa Macaron David and Dan owned me for creating a scene I couldn't bear to watch. This episode proves why Davos was always a better man than Stannis. Hashtag RIP Princess Shireen. One to the White Fawn. Owned to Solis for finally realizing how valuable her only non-jar baby is. <laughs> right before she's horribly sacrificed. Hashtag redemption question mark? We uh, will only know in time. Uh, it's hard to say redemption because she wasn't able to save her. Kenny Nelson tweeted in my own goes to david and dan for ripping out my heart and then immediately replacing it with an even bigger heart new jeff says that was maybe the hardest death to watch on the show yet r.i.p shireen ram dent how were all those soldiers just standing there who the fuck thinks this is a good idea jesus christ (laughs) ram just summed it up in all caps by the way all caps thank you and he did it over twitter if caps cop weren't retired right now Caps Cop would have something to say to that rabbit dent. Our small council member, Ishbal Bomber, writes in, All owns the little Princess Shireen, the first of her name, and the best of the Baratheon bunch. And you know, honorary owned to Drogon for shooting out of the sky like a fiery comet and dancing all over those sons of the harpies. Hashtag, Stannis you dick. Hashtag, how could you? Hashtag, dancing dragons. Hashtag, so much fire. Lots of hashtags. Lots of hashtags. Uh, Anthony Runyon wrote in, owned to a mother's love. It owns Solis, sadly, a bit too late. Mm. Andrew Robillard, Davos gets the own for being a better father friend than Stannis. Thanks for the nightmares. <laughs> Red wedding flashbacks. They should have played Shireen's song from season two during the credits. Solis actually showed some motherly love. Davos will be upset, but I think he already knew the plan. Yes, I often craft wooden toys for my children before I put them on the pile. Yeah, I don't think he knew. Marine Edmondson Donahue writes in, My first own ever is a throwback Thursday, or TBT, to Cersei in Season 4 for saying, Everywhere in the world they hurt little girls. Stannis, you are doomed. Selly Bakchi Owned to Davos for trying to get Shireen out of there and then carving her that stag. Couldn't he have just kidnapped her? Hashtag loyal to the grave. Yeah, he could have, I suppose. But there's only so many times you can defy your king before he actually kills you. Stephanie Persephone, love that name, writes in. Oh no. All caps. The screams. Oh, the screams. Dear God. Hashtag Stannis, what did you do? There's no turning back. 
clearly. Yeah, and, and these next few owns all kind of uh, elicit the same emotion. Dale Harris says, I disown Stannis, frown emoticon. He didn't actually use an emoticon. He typed <laughs> he out, just wrote out frown, frown emoticon. emoticon. Kyle James says, own goes to Stannis for closing the gap between him and Ramsay in the race to see who Westeros' biggest bastard is. Huh. Uh, the Lady Ash, Stannis can die now. We're good. <laughs> Settled up, Lady Ash. I agree. Layla tweeted in, so my own goes to whoever kills Stannis. Hashtag fuck that guy. Kevin Bloomfield, negative own goes to Stannis. Off the hype train. Jeremy Kimball says, own goes to the D's, LOL. Three straight seasons where episode nine provides a moment I can't bear to watch. And now, here. Seriously, I had to mute the TV screams were way too much, but well done. I hurt now. Brandy Patterson says, own to David and Dan for reminding us that this is Game of Thrones. And if you think this has a happy ending, you haven't been paying attention. Sounds familiar. And Evan Nagode says, own goes to Stannis for fooling all of us into thinking he was the number one dad all season. And the writers for giving millions of people a collective sick feeling while the poor girl burned. Kathy, amen. That stampeding sound is the internet running away from Team Stannis. <laughs> I wondered what that was. Uh-huh. You expect Robin Williams to burst through the door. Jumanji. Run! It's a stampede! Sasha Nasser says, Own to Brienne to being the original Stannis hater before it was cool. Hashtag hipster Brienne. And there was actually a photo of Brienne with the hipster glasses on. <laughs> Switching gears cool. a bit here... Christina tweeted in to say, Own to Danny and Drogon for finally getting the heck out of Marine. Disown to Stannis for letting that happen. Hashtag good mama, bad papa. Well, our Anna's daughter writes in from Iceland. My heart got owned when Daenerys took Jorah's hand, and we all knew that the gang was back together. And they both have grayscale. And they both have grayscale, and also sorry for butchering your name. Uh huh. Stacy Martin tweeted in Drogon had the best sorry for being such a teenager mom ever. <laughs> hashtag all the owns, hashtag Drogon for the win. Tom Bauer, own goes to Danny for dominating the first task of the Triwizard Tournament. <laughs> Hashtag is Drogon a horntail. He may very well be. Ricky Young says, Own to Ser Jorah for doing what he does best, serving his queen. Hashtag third time's a charm. Lauren, Own goes to Drogon. Hashtag mama's boy. Hashtag no one messes with my mama. The old gods and Manu. There's always been more than enough death in the world for my taste. I can do without it in my leisure time. Hashtag Tyri own. Rob Taylor says my own goes to Jor for drilling that harpy with the javelin from way downtown. <laughs> Bang! From downtown. Ryan McAllister owned to Drogon for saving Tyrion, Danny, Jorah, and Dario, essentially saving the show. Shannon Spicer says own goes to Danny. She should really develop that dragon call thing. Hashtag how to train your dragon. Hashtag mother of dragons. Hashtag dragon snacks. Gary Manis says own to Danny for busting out her nursing skills, removing that spear for Drogon. Sky Pataga says my own goes to the obvious, Drogon he knows how to fire up a party. <laughs> Hashtag dragon rider. Yes he does. Uh, Stephanie Bancaster Dario owned that scene between him and his dar, but Drogon owned the episode. Jessica Denton says own goes to Tyrion for the best backhanded compliment ever. My father would have liked you. Yeah Jessica, we're on the same page. Gil Pound tweeted in, own to my girlfriend for the line of don't bring a knife to a dragon fight during that last scene. <laughs> well played, Gil. Well played, Gil's girlfriend. Nate writes in, own goes to Danny for owning the Sons of the Harpy and nailing the Dance of Dragons. Uh-huh. Jason Nocera, 
Wings down, own goes to Drogon for the best entrance ever. Bonus own to Jorah for still having Danny's back. Hashtag Harpy Appetizer. Songbird Rescue Cat on Twitter. All my owns to Drogon for rescuing his mommy. Drogon getting a lot of love this episode. Leslie Dingledine. Oh my god. Their faces as she flies off. This is finally Danny's season. Been waiting for this a long wow. fucking time. Yeah, you're right. Uh, two parts Rye on Twitter. Own to Hiccup and Astrid. That's a How to Train Your Dragon reference. Oh, oh okay. Hashtag fuck you, Stannis. Hashtag get Jorah some aloe vera. <laughs> Not a bad idea. No, uh, Jenny Nelf, my own goes to Danny for having a Beauty and the Beast moment with Drogon. Hashtag beautiful. Hashtag get the fuck out of Marine. Bridget McNeese, my own goes to Danny's unofficial Queen's Guard. That's right. Jorah, Dario, Tyrion, and especially to Drogon for showing up just in time to save his mama, and a special own to Princess Shireen of House Baratheon. It was heartbreaking to see the moment of realization of what was back about to happen cross her face. I hope Brienne gets the chance to make Stannis pay for that. Don't we all? Justin Vansickle on Facebook. First own goes to Jorah's spear chucking arm. Hashtag Jorah kidding me, right? Second goes to the wildling parade through Castle Black. Hashtag awkward. Hashtag the fuck you looking at. One, one. Mark Woodleaf. Owen goes to Daenerys on how to truly train your dragon. That's right. Feed him a lot. Of harpies. Of harpies. Janine Capisi. Drogon owned all over the arena. He owned up, down, all around. Burn those harpies to the ground. Why do I feel like there's a dance beat? I, I probably should have sang that, maybe. Teresa writes in, my own to Drogon, for being the best son in the Seven Kingdoms. I like this name. Werewood Witch says, holy dragons fly, my queen fly. Ron Mosca, did anyone else hear Tyrion yell, get to the <laughs> chopper? <laughs> okay. It was under his breath, but he did. Uh, Ivy West tweeted in, own goes to Drogon, hashtag... Like there was any doubt. Hashtag dragon style. Hashtag holy hell did that just happen. Courtney MacArthur, own to Jorah for testing Danny's feelings for him. She obviously cares for him, and he is completely devoted to her. A Mark Kenzona, own goes to Drogon for saving the day. He, Mark just keeps it real simple. Jane Choi would agree from, uh, with Mark. Own goes to Drogon for being mommy's best boy to come and save her day. Hashtag staying alive. Ode goes to Princess Shireen Baratheon, teacher of reading, stealer of our hearts, for being wise beyond her years, for being non-judgmental, and for believing in the best of people. She should have been on the Iron Throne. Hashtag throne belongs to Baratheon after all. Steffers, own to Tyrion for, quote, my father would have liked you, which means <laughs> I don't like you. Joe Schaefer, there is no TV advisory for Grizzly Dragon Death. <laughs> Yet, Joe. There was adult content, Yet. though, <laughs> which I think this technically would fall under. Mm. Uh, James Johnson, my own ghost whoever called in Drogon for air support. Hashtag <laughs> broken arrow. Holden Drover says, so many, but mine is for Tyrion. For pulling a Terminator with Masande. Hashtag come with me if you want to live. Joe Nieto agrees, my own ghost to Tyrion, saving Masande and giving his hand. He might be able to go places Grey Worm couldn't. Oh, that sly devil. Guy Westrip writes in, My own goes to Tyene, Sand, for that slap. Almata says Erio Hota owned Bronze face with that sucker punch. Yeah. Alice Cottrell says, My own goes to One One for walking through Castle Black like a boss. <laughs> he really did. 
B-A-W-S-E boss. Brittany Bradley Ankerson says on Facebook, own to Alistair Thorne, who has been paying attention. Hashtag, if you think this has a happy ending, hashtag, you have a big heart. And now we've reached it, ladies and gentlemen, our final own of the episode, which we are to read now, comes from Laura Mutton. Laura writes, theme of the episode, question mark, hashtag, barbecue. Sell your fish somewhere else. Oh, let her in, Brosco. I'm hungry. We really do appreciate all of you sending in your owns. Uh, as we mentioned, just a ton pour in each and every Sunday evening and afterwards uh, on Twitter and Facebook. And uh, if you would like to join the party and you can't make it to Chicago on Sunday evening for the finale, you can, of course, send in your owns for Mother's Mercy just by simply tweeting at us, at Game of Owns. We always enjoy seeing the creativity that you come up with, both in the tweets and the hashtags and sometimes the memes and the other things that you send our way. You can also scroll upon our wall, facebook.com slash Game of Owns. We usually put a post up there immediately following the airing of the show and you can just yeah we do have at it it's a it's a great community to uh, to be a part of a lot of good interactions amongst the listeners and of course as we read too at the top of this own segment you can email us if you prefer longer format and more thought uh contact at gameofowns.com you know micah if you're listening to this episode now uh, which, Micah, I'm talking to you directly. I'm sure you're listening to this episode right now. Chances are you got it from iTunes, and our podcast is on the iTunes store. Now, we have uh, another episode, as you mentioned, uh, to talk about of Thrones, but after that we'll be getting into our on-slash-off-season, and there's still a great opportunity for people who haven't been following or finding us to always learn about us and see us. And a way by doing that, by keeping us at the top of everyone's iTunes store, is by leaving us a rate and or review on iTunes. We want to say that we appreciate those, all of the nice things people have been saying. Of course, people have been sure to rate us five stars. Nothing less than five stars Fewer. has been acceptable. You know what? Not anymore. No politically correct status on this show. Oh, yes. He's dead to me. Nothing less than five stars is acceptable within the month of June. This is last month of season five and treat it as such. But the goo train keeps on going down the track and we'll have plenty of stuff to talk about after the series finale next week. Yes, it's exciting. It's uh, a lot to look forward to as we've kind of hinted at. There are some major moments coming up in this finale. We won't even... uh, go into that, but uh, we'll be sure to discuss them after the fact. Uh, we're all really looking forward to seeing each other and seeing some of you this Sunday night in Chicago for a live show at Geek Bar. And uh, I can't believe we've reached the finale. It's It seems like uh, not that uh, long ago that uh, we were talking about what to expect Heading into season five. So. <laughs> because it, it was not that long ago. It was only nine weeks. Yeah, well, there you go. We didn't get any breaks uh, this season. Like That's normally right. we usually do on a holiday weekend. They mm-hmm. take the, that Sunday off, but they chose not to do that this year. So a full push through. The uh, the 10th episode is upon us, the finale. And uh, I can't wait. I can't wait to see some of this stuff. I can't wait to see the reactions. I will have my camera going in Geek Bar 
as the uh, finale comes to a close and we uh, officially put a bow around season five. We'll see you Sunday night on the other side. So give me a kiss by the lawn. (laughs) 